It's time for Outside the Box with Lincoln Stars head coach Rocky Russo and Lincoln Stars broadcaster Joel Norman on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Well, here we are heading into the final weekend of the regular season and also our final edition of Outside the Box being brought to you by Raising Canes. I'm Joel Norman, and we're joined by the head coach of the Stars, Rocky Russo. Rocky, the year has just flown by. You were saying that at the beginning of the year, and here we are coming to the end of the season. I'm not sure this will be our last edition. You want to do another one? We might do another one. Okay. I know the guy that runs this place. I'm sure we could get back on the radio if we need to. Um, let's see how our schedule looks That's over the, the next few weeks. And um, if it if it makes sense to come in, obviously, uh, we can do that. Because I think that we've had uh, really good um, listener views and, and uh, our fans are enjoying the show. And I know that uh, you and I are certainly enjoying doing Absolutely. the show. And, and so... Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Maybe this is the last edition of the outside the box for the 22-23 the season, or maybe maybe we'll surprise you with another one. We'll see. And then maybe after we win the Clark Cup, we'll do one, and, uh, and we'll bring the Clark Cup in. Now that is a good tease to add so, at the end there. We'll see. I mean, take some luck and some bounces and, and all that stuff to win a Clark Cup. It's certainly not an easy thing, but uh, but it's the, the goal for the group right now, and and we're excited about this weekend and then what the playoffs hold for us. We'd love to have you be part of the show here tonight on Outside the Box, being brought to you by Raising Canes. Give us a call on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline, 402-464-5685, or you can text us at the same number on the sarter Heyman text line, 402-464-5685. A successful road trip to Fargo for the I, Stars I this call past it successful, weekend. yes. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can go into a, a tough environment and – and that's any environment in the USHL. And you can go on the road and you can sweep. Uh, you've had a, a great weekend. And especially when you're going in and you're sweeping the, you know, the first place team in the Western Conference. And they're they're a, an excellent club. They're very well coached. They've got great goaltending. They've got, you know, a couple of the best players in our in our conference. And and for us to be able to come back the way we did on on Friday and then really just surgically shut them out on Saturday was uh, was an impressive weekend for the guys. Friday had a little bit of everything. And what I loved was when you came up for coaches' comments afterwards, you said, a oh, pretty boring game for you for there for the first uh, two and a half periods, Joel. But certainly picked up in the final five minutes of the third, didn't it? It did. And and you know what? I'm I'm sitting there, and, and we're down three to one. And I looked at Mike, and I'm like, how are we in this situation? Like, I, I really felt confident that we were going to win that game. We were up one nothing. And, uh, you know, they got a – they got a, a lucky bounce, obviously. They got the puck to the net. I give them a lot of credit for that, but um, bounced off of Henry Nelson skate and into our net to tie it up. And then, you know, we can debate all you want about whether the, the penalty was a penalty shot or should have been a two-minute minor, but, you know, the referee calls it a penalty shot in the moment, and all of a sudden we go from being up one nothing and, and really controlling that third period. I mean, they weren't getting many opportunities, and we were doing things the right way to go from that to – suddenly staring a deficit in the face and and then you know the, the net's empty and and it's 3-1 and there's 48 seconds left you're like gosh I can't believe that we're not going to find a way to win this game um but uh you know the guys came back to the bench and kind of looked at me I'm like get back out there there's there's plenty of time and and we're going to get Whitey right back out again and and see if we could do something so you know uh finding that that uh, second goal just seven seconds later was was the big difference 
you mentioned it, that third period on Friday, I felt like that was the best period of that night's game until those final five minutes when things were changing. The way it started, you guys were getting lots of chances. Fargo wasn't, but then they just, it, we've talked about, you know, being opportunistic sometimes. They took advantage of a couple of chances later in the period. That penalty shot goal by Link was only the fourth penalty shot goal in the entire USHL this season. Yeah, I think there's, there's if I read it right, there's been 20 penalty shots called. Yeah. And uh, I mean, tip the cap to to link it was it was a great move and and a a great finish and he obviously beat one of the best goalies in the in the the league with that one so um you know that's that there's nothing you could do about that sometimes a a good player is going to score on a good goalie and that was the situation right there such a chaotic situation late in that game if you missed that one the stars are up with just over five minutes ago they're up one to nothing give up a goal give up another one little over a minute and a half about a minute and a half later to make it two to one and then Fargo adds an empty net goal with 48 seconds left, only for Lincoln to score seven seconds later, and then tie it up with 1.3 seconds left. Rocky, have you ever had a later goal in a game? I know there was one last year with Omaha that was pretty late. That one uh, went in as the buzzer sounded. And uh, Mason chased that one down, made a play up to Joel LeMay, and Joel, Joel made a quick move and and got a shot off and and it went in. In fact, the guys sprinted off the ice. We were all off the ice. <laughs> yeah. We're all in the locker room and while they were re- reviewing it, that's the old NHL move. There's no review in the NHL move. The, so as soon as you you score, you just get off the ice. You don't give them a chance to to think about it. But here in the the USHL, they can go and they can take a peek at it. And and so um, they asked the guys to go back to the bench. George and I were standing just right outside the replay booth waiting to find out what was going on. And, and uh, they had told us it was a good goal, uh, but they said there was like 0.8 seconds left on the clock and they had to drop the puck. Uh, so George and I shuffled our way back over to the bench and, and uh, they dropped the puck and that ended the game. So we had some crazy comebacks last year. We did, we were down two um, with about a minute, minute and 15 seconds left against Des Moines last year. We scored twice with the goalie out and then scored Henry Nelson scored the game winner in the first shift to overtime, which again, we did that same thing on Friday in Fargo. Great pass by Antonio. Great finish by Boston. But um, yeah, for us to pop three in in uh, just shy of a minute and 10 seconds or something was pretty impressive. Yeah, I, that was I remember seeing about that last year and think that was an insane way to end a game. And then this past Friday happened. <laughs> well, that one was it at home, too. So the the absolute craziness of the icebox, we had a great crowd that night. And I mean, it was deafening. Could you imagine if we were able to have the comeback we had on Friday at oh home? Oh, my gosh. Um, it would have been a, it would have been unbelievable. But uh, it's the opposite in the away building because you could hear a pin drop at that point. Oh, yeah. As the fans are, are kind of just stunned that that their team finds themselves in that situation. I had a lot of fans looking back at me while I was making that call because I'm sure way too many of them who didn't want to hear that heard it because I was so excited in that moment. And I think I said that to Art and Mike afterwards. I said, I said, I, I was freaking out at the moment. I can only imagine how you guys were the ones who were actually part of it. You know, I mean, that was an insane way to finish a game. It just, it just doesn't happen in hockey. You don't give up an empty net goal. And then come back and win after that. You never see that. No, but, you know, I knew there was enough time. And and actually last weekend on Saturday when we scored the empty netter to go up two, uh, was it go up two or to go, go up two? Um, Doug scored with like a minute and 35 seconds left. Yep. And the guys were all excited. And I'm like, yo, you need to stop. Like we have a minute and a half left. There's a lot of time left. We need to go out and 
their goalie's going to come back out. We need to focus because mm-hmm. with that amount of time, anything can happen. And, and uh, you know, if we don't score right away, then you're going to have a really hard time. But to, to pot one seven seconds later uh, gives you that time. And the most incredible thing is we, at one point in that 41 seconds, had a defensive zone faceoff. And we're still able to get ourselves back down, get set up, get the puck from from uh, Bucks over to Mason, down to to Doug, over to Tanner, back to the net, and in the net, all yeah. in in that short period of time. So um, very efficient puck movement for our guys in that situation. Everything had to go perfect, and it did. And that was just that was so fun to watch. Uh, yeah, and real quick from the text line, um, referring to you guys' earlier conversation about possibly not being the last show. Uh, Chase B chimes in and says uh, we should at least get a season recap of outside the box. I know he's been one that's kind of been following the podcast. Uh, And he said, uh, also, I was one of the people who left early last year against Des Moines. uh, And after seeing the score, I will never do that again, no matter the deficit. (laughs) Lesson learned. Lesson learned. In fact, I had a lot of people uh, or read a lot of comments about how people shut the game off when it was 3-1 and said, oh, well, Unfortunately, the stars aren't going to get their points tonight and and went and took a peek at the box score or social media later in the night. And everybody was kind of like, wait a minute, what what just happened? What did I miss? And so that's what's great about our social this year. The 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 recaps and the videos and and, uh, you know, being able to see that stuff in almost in real time on on our social media has been fantastic. And I get a ton of compliments from our fans and. Uh, more than anything from from people that don't live in town that don't get to come to the games that that are following us online one in one shape or form and and uh, being able to see that stuff right away is great yeah that's the goal make everyone feel like they're here even if they aren't but yeah i i had the same thing i had several people who reached out or said oh boy i missed that or i was reading their, their facebook comments or someone saying oh i turned the game off after the empty net or and I mean, just it's still it was a game a couple of days later. Still, I was thinking about it. I was like, boy, I don't know the next time I'm going to see that one happen. But uh, such a fun one. And then Saturday, a three nothing shutout. We called it a surgical effort afterwards. You guys just kind of took care of everything you wanted to in that game and pretty much followed the game plan. We did. And and, you know, for us, we've really been stressing the importance of playing predictable hockey. And And when I say predictable, I mean. You know, the other five guys on the ice know what you're going to be doing. They they know where the puck's going. We we are all bought in on on what our structure and our identity is as a team at this point. We're embracing that. Everyone's pulling the same direction. And and I thought we defended really well throughout the course of the night on Friday. We ended up, I know it didn't look like it on their score box, but uh, when we get our analytical stuff back, we outshot them on Saturday night. Um but they had some very good chances, obviously. And Whitey stood tall, made some huge saves for us, and and their goalie made some really good saves too. That's a three nothing game that could have been four, five, six had he not made some really, really big saves. So um, that was two of the best goalies in the league going head to head, and and uh, Whitey showed why he's one of the very best goalies in all of junior hockey. Twenty nine save shutout for him, his fifth of the season, tied for the most in the USHL tied for second most in a star single season history. What can you say about the year he's had? That he, he should be strongly being considered for goalie of the year uh, with the, the amount of minutes he's been in the net. And that's something that, you know, I hope the other coaches and GMs take consideration is 
I assume he's leading the pack in in the league when it comes to games played and and minutes played. He's I think um, second in both categories. He's right there. So I mean, he's played a ton, and and Lucas has been fantastic when we needed him. There's no question. But Cameron's been the horse. He's he's won us a ton of games. He's kept us in 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 stretches when we weren't playing good hockey, and you know we probably cost him three, four, five wins with with. A, a bad stretch of hockey that's going to happen, right? There's no one at, at fault for that because our guys have picked cam up. If he's not playing good and cams pick the guys up when they're not playing good. And so that's part of being a, a team. Cameron and Whitehead is second in games played second in minutes, second in saves. Who's T- ahead of them? It's all sorts of different guys. Christoph Everly with green Bay has two more games played. Jacob Fowler has the same amount of wins as him. Uh, Everly again, a couple more minutes than Whitehead. Max Lundgren from Des Moines has one more save than Whitehead does. Interesting. Interesting. Well, but he's right up there, though. Yeah, like you're I mean, talking he's about. Top of the category for everything. The shutouts, I think that's got to be mentionable, too. You know, you've got those in there. I mean, this is a guy he had one last year, the five in one season. We were talking, you know, when he got the third, I think, back against Fargo at the time, we were saying, boy, you know, that's a good number to have for a full year. He's still got a lot of time left to add to that. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. We just got to. A question here that says, why doesn't the USHL schedule playoff games for weekends? Surely they'll have they have to realize they're losing revenue. Well, that's um, a good thing to bring up. We talked about this earlier in the season. Why the, we jump into this playoff format so quickly? I, I don't have any love for the playoff format at all. Um, but I, that's above my pay grade. You know, the there's there's financial implications of of teams that are playing in the playoffs versus not playing in the playoffs additional travel, additional expense. Uh, I do know that in most of the buildings in, in the league, uh, you're not getting great crowds during the playoffs. And so, you know, the, the, the rent for your facility or, or your payroll or your travel, none of that changes, but you're not generating the same revenue. So, um, I believe that, that that's a big part of it. I haven't had anybody come out and tell me, um, I'm, I'm purely speculating, but if it were up to me, uh, we would, you know, we wouldn't be starting the playoffs on Monday, whether we're in a buy situation or not. I, I just feel like you play Friday, Saturday, you play 62 games and then bang Monday, you got to play again. I, I don't, I think these kids work too hard to earn a playoff berth to, to have it potentially be over in two days. Um, you know, with that being said, if I, if money wasn't an object and, and I could do it purely from a 100% hockey perspective, I probably would remove the two games that we're playing this weekend. I would play a 60 game schedule uh, and, and I would start playoffs this weekend. So now you would have a full week of, of preparation. I mean, you're granted, we're playing all these teams over and over and over again. So if we do play Monday, we, we have a good feel on our opponent, but I'd love to have a week of prep and really start to, to put it in. And, and even if it is a three game series, which I don't like that either, but Let's say it is a three-game series. You could have a three-game series going on this weekend, yeah. and then you could get into probably a couple five-game series at that point, and still be in the same time frame where you could finish the Clark Cup around that May twenty-third date. So, um, you know. But I also understand. Hey, that's that's an extra home game, and when you're like us, and you can get 3,500, 3,800 fans, and and all the revenue that that generates, that's a huge loss financially if you take that game away. So I understand that too. Uh, from but but I think you get 
you get the business end of it. You get the hockey end of it. There's not a whole lot of owners making money running junior hockey teams. And they do it for all the right reasons because they love it and they want to they want to provide these opportunities for these young men. And and uh, I have nothing but respect for all the owners that are a part of any junior hockey level. I don't care what it is, whether it's the the highest jun- junior level at the USHL down to, you know, tier three hockey at the lowest level. If you are putting your money where your mouth is and supporting the development of kids, I have nothing but respect for you. Oh, absolutely. I'd like to see these playoff series be at least a five-game one, in my preference. I think if you want to do something shorter early on, look, there's only four teams in the entire league who aren't making the postseason. I mean, we're very well aware of that. Well, a postseason berth is a privilege. The overwhelming majority of teams are still making it. Well, think about it this way. You play 62 games. You claw your way into the playoffs. You lose in the first round. You don't even get to play a home playoff game. Yeah. You don't get to play in front of your fans. Your fans support you. They come to to the rink and they spend their hard-earned money and they want to see you get in the playoffs. And then you get in and you don't get to play a game at home. Yeah. And if I'm a fan, I'm I'm frustrated at that, right? Because I want to see my team play at home. They worked hard. They earned a playoff uh, berth. I want to be able to see them play playoff hockey and, and, uh, so I, I don't think it's as simple as the conversation is right now yeah. between the two of us. I think there's a lot more factors that go into it. And and I respect the folks that make those decisions. But, uh, you know, from a purely hockey standpoint, sure, I'd love to see five game series and, and, and time to prep. And that's how it was in the N.A., but um, only four teams made it. So. You know, their playoffs are going to start this weekend. It's one versus four, two versus three. And if you're in the South Division with eight teams, four of those teams didn't make it. And uh, New Mexico, for example, 33 wins, 70 points, just misses the playoffs. That's a really good season in the North American League. And uh, and they don't make the playoffs. So, um, you know, you got a claw to get in. But if you do, you're guaranteed uh, at least one home game, mm-hmm. right? And, and, uh, you know, an opportunity to uh, to hopefully make some revenue back. And for those who aren't familiar with where the stars are at in the standings, maybe, many of you probably listening already do know. Lincoln is right now in third place in the Western Conference, one point back of Waterloo, who has the second spot. If Lincoln were to leapfrog Waterloo, they'd get a first-round bye and thus would not have to play this coming Monday through Wednesday, which would be extremely advantageous for everything we've been talking about, but also just would give you a chance to not have to worry about any extra fatigue or injuries because – Two big games this weekend against a team who you're not going to see in the first round, but you've seen plenty this year. They're heading to the postseason a day off, and then potentially, unless you get that second round by, right back at it against another hungry team Monday through Wednesday, potentially Wednesday. Yeah, and you know what? that That's the schedule, and we play the schedule that's presented to us. And, uh, you know, like we talked about uh, on the, the press conference this afternoon, I we don't have full control of the situation. And it's easy to go back and and you can point fingers at this point or that point. And, you know, you try to explain to the guys how important every single point is, but you play 62 for a reason. You're going to drop some you shouldn't. You're going to win some you probably didn't deserve to. And and it all shakes out at the end. And so for us, the only thing we can control is giving our best effort this weekend, try to win two hockey games, and then see how things play out with the Waterloo-Dubuque series. It's interesting right now between last weekend and this weekend, Rocket, it's been – 
two quality opponents who both been, are going to be missing a big defenseman. Last week, Fargo didn't have Joe Palanichuk, who's been banged up, and they've struggled without him. They've lost 9 of 11 since he's been gone. Hard to replace that guy in your lineup. He's an NHL draft pick this year. Yeah, really, really good player. Played with Tanner Ludke at the World Junior A Challenge. And now this weekend, you're going to go up against Tri-City. They don't have Sebastian Tornquist, who has just loved playing the Stars this year, as we know all too well. He had the overtime winner, a couple of other huge goals against Lincoln. It's one of those interesting spots heading into the weekend where I think it can be almost look like a trap on paper. It's like, okay, they're missing a guy. Maybe we've got a pretty good shot here. But Tri-City, even with their struggles last weekend with Des Moines, they're going to be ready to go here. There's nothing that that presents a trap for us we are very well aware of the importance of these games and we are we've been in that playoff mentality for a long time we know how good of a club tri-city is certainly sebastian tornquist is a great player there's no question about that but they've got a lot of great players and and they're going to be ready to play now the interesting thing for them is they really don't have a whole lot to play for this weekend aside from just playing good hockey going into the playoffs they can't move up they can't catch us. They they can't drop, right? They they Sioux City can't catch them. So they're locked into four. And they know they have to play Monday. They know they have to play Sioux City on Monday, right? So um, you know, how Anthony manages his team this weekend will be interesting. Um, you know, do you want to go full bore with all your horses and try to win a couple games to feel good going into Monday, or or do you want to sit them and be rested? That's a that's a question. It's a legitimate discussion because they're on a spot, like you said, you can go in with the momentum or it's, you know, you kind of make sure everyone is healthy who's left there. It's it's an interesting conundrum. And I don't I don't know. Um, I've I've not actually ever been in that situation, like, I guess, because there was always enough distance between when it was time to to play playoff hockey. Now, I mean, we were kind of in that situation last year. We, we couldn't drop to four. We couldn't jump to two. Um, but we also didn't have a ton of extra bodies. We didn't bring a bunch of affiliates in. Um, so everybody played Aiden Thompson was playing those games and Joe LeMay and, and Daltz, all those, all those veterans that are gone now they're playing in those games. And so, um, you know, I, I suspect whether they play everybody or not, they're going to give us a great effort. They're a great team. They're well coached. They work really hard. And, uh, and so it doesn't matter. We need, we need to know that, our focus is on doing everything we can to win two games this weekend because hopefully, hopefully that gets us a bye. And you know what? If it doesn't, it doesn't. Then we go play on Monday, and and that's the path that, that gets carved out for us as we try to win a championship. You talked about playing that playoff hockey mindset pretty much for a while now. You could argue since the start of March. Since March 3rd, 12-2-0-1 during that stretch. What has clicked during that stretch that's really helped you guys lock in with this playoff mindset? We've just taken care of the puck a lot better. Um, you, you're seeing a lot less turnovers through the neutral zone. You're seeing a lot less turnovers at the blue lines. Uh, guys are guys are playing predictable. They they know they know where the gray areas are, and and we can't turn pucks over in those situations. Uh, we're doing a really good job of of attacking the net, and uh, and that's opening up some more opportunities for our D. Um, and we've been we've gotten great goaltending out of both guys. So. You know, it's a good time of year to be playing good hockey. And, and uh, you know, I went back and I looked at Sioux City and kind of when they really turned the corner last year. And and uh, around the same time that we started playing well, they started playing well. They won 10 in a row during that stretch. They lost a game or two. They finished on a pretty good streak. 
they were feeling really good, really confident going into the playoffs. And, and so, you know, when we were having that tough February, that's when I was doing this research and kind of going, okay, well, you know, I know Sioux city had some struggles last year at, at times we were six and one against them at one point. And, uh, and then that last weekend series, we played them, they swept us. And, uh, so I was curious. And so I went back and I looked at that and I kind of said, Hey guys, you know, okay, we had a bad February. We, we have a lot of time here. We have two months of, of regular season hockey left. Let's really dial it in. Let's understand that our time is limited together as you and I have talked about before. And, and, uh, you know, if you guys really like each other as much as everyone seems to tell me when we have our meetings, then let's not waste any of these, uh, any of these opportunities to be together. I think what's so interesting for me right now is we're kind of on the eve of the postseason beginning. You can make a case for most teams entering, almost every team, who's going to enter the postseason for why they're going to win the Clark Cup. Because everyone's right now on this even playing field, and it goes with what we've been saying all season long. Anyone in this team can, in this league, can win on any given night. Oh, without question. I mean, the it's it's the best junior league for a reason, and and the talent top to bottom is unbelievable. Uh, everybody's got great goaltending. Everybody's got offensive-minded defensemen. Everybody's got, you know, dangerous forwards. There's great coaches everywhere. And so, you know, it's it's why I love coaching in this league because there is no night that you can take a peek at your schedule and 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 pencil in two points. You have got to go out and you've got to earn them every night. And so whether you're a team that's sneaking in and look at Madison last year, they snuck in and uh, – and it took an overtime goal for for Sioux City to beat them in the Clark Cup Finals. I mean, they they got good goaltending at the right time. They were five hundred all year, yeah, literally five hundred on the dot, and 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 found their way to the Clark Cup playoffs or Clark Cup Championship Series. So anybody can do it. Anybody can do it, and and uh, that's what's exciting about about this time of year. Yeah, I'm really excited for that for these next couple of weeks as well here. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to bring on tonight's guest, Tim Gray from the Lincoln Journal Star, to talk a little bit more about this playoff push that the Stars are on. Back with more after this. This is Outside the Box, being brought to you by Raising Canes on 93.7 The Ticket. 